Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 21st episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this new moon episode, I'll be discussing spirituality and being an empath. We'll be speaking to Jane Novak, empath and spiritual mentor and founder of the New Soul Academy. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is Sexual Energy and Yoga by Elizabeth H. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for empaths. But first, let's talk about my own spiritual awakening. Seeing as we're going to be speaking about spirituality, spiritual awakenings and empathy and all of those things, I thought I'd share with you the story of my own spiritual awakening. It all happened in 2017. Well, kind of it was starting to happen in 2016. I was living in a friend's apartment and I had a special deal. I was paying for a room in a massive apartment and I I knew the owner of the apartment. He was my friend and he also had keys to that apartment. And I used to spend the weekend at his, in his village. I knew all of his friends. He was, he used to be one of my best friends. He was quite a lot older than me and he was very funny. We used to laugh a lot together. We were very different. He was kind of like, um, how would I say it? He was an heir. He didn't need to work. So that's someone who's like that. I think they they tend to transmit this, an air, transmits an air of kind of peace, I suppose, because they never really worry about everyday things such as money, etc. Anyway, um, a few years ago, I used to smoke tobacco. And one day he said to me, you'd stink. You smell really bad. You should give up tobacco. And that day, which was the 23rd of June, 2016, I actually gave up tobacco that very day and I never went back. And he was a smoker and he had given up two weeks before me. And so for that, for a very short time, we supported each other in our tobacco-free lives. But unfortunately, his willpower was not as strong as mine. And he started smoking again within a few weeks. And sometimes he would just turn up at my apartment where I was living, which was, he was the owner, but he, you know, he used to just turn up there and open the door whenever he wanted and start smoking in the apartment. And if you know, if when you give up tobacco and, you know, at first there is a a temptation phase, but that temptation soon becomes rejection. Anything that smells of tobacco is just disgusting. And if you're a non-smoker, you definitely know that if someone smokes in your house, it's very, the smoke is very, I don't know, it's just disgusting. You can really tell someone has been smoking there and it's not a very Zen vibe at all. So anyway, I tried to kind of, uh, encourage him to give up again, just as he'd done with me, because I was so grateful after so many years smoking. And unfortunately, he took it quite badly. And also in this time, I was joined the gym. I went on a real health kick. 
and he just kind of went back on the kind of um, unhealthy habits um, journey. So our friendship really suffered because of this. It's incredible because there is a saying that says, when in need, or how, how was it again? A friend in need is a friend indeed. But I've also find, found that the friends who are the, your real friends are the ones who are also cheering for you and supporting you when you're doing fantastic things, you know? Because it's very easy to empathize with someone who, empathy, that's the, t- the topic of the, today. It's kind of easier to empathize with someone who's going through a hard time. But when someone's doing something good, I think a lot of envy can arise instead. So that's what happened with us, basically. And our friendship suffered. And then as our friendship suffered, so did my arrangement in his apartment. He he basically made my life hell. I'm not even going to go into it now, but he, he made my life hell for a year. And a few months after I'd given up tobacco and I was on this health kick, I joined the gym for the first time in my life. I started juicing. I was becoming vegan. I was just like completely not in the, you know, stay at home, drink and get stoned or smoke vibe whatsoever. It was so, so different from him. And anyway, um, he told me I had to leave the apartment, which is kind of logical, really. I mean, um, I wasn't paying in, in, the, in the sense of like, I wasn't giving him any benefits. And now that sounds really sexual, but it wasn't sexual at all. But I wasn't kind of giving him the friendship and the good vibes. And he wanted me out. And also my presence just really annoyed him, especially as I was getting healthier and stronger and like more flexible and just like becoming a kind of gym freak. So when he asked me to leave, I didn't have that much money in the bank and I didn't, I couldn't actually afford to leave, to be honest. Um, I couldn't afford to pay the down payment for an apartment. I didn't even have any, any furniture to my name. I had nothing. And I couldn't imagine going to a room somewhere because I had too many sex toys, which sounds funny, but it, it wasn't funny at all. I had too many possessions to fit in some small room. I did think about it though, maybe putting some things in storage and then paying for a room. But I thought, wow, I just can't afford that. And I've been, you know, I've done, I've done the flat sharing thing and it's just a terrible thing. It's not, it's best avoided, avoided in my, in my humble opinion after, after all the experiences I've had. And I was so stressed. He used to phone me and then just turn up at the apartment and shout at me, insult me. And it got to a point where every time I heard the, re- the, the lift, I was just so nervous. And I was literally a physical and nervous wreck. It was awful. And I just worked my ass off. Uh, I worked so hard to gain that extra money for the, for the new apartment, but it took me six months. And over that six months, I kept saying to myself, how much do you want it? And just working harder and harder. And, um, the stress was just unbelievable, especially thinking that someone can just come in the door now and shout at me. It got to the point where I was literally Googling where the nearest police station was and getting to know what my rights were. And also the nasty messages that he was sending me, the very threatening. It was incredible that this guy had been my friend once upon a time. And I was just doing all I can. I mean, because um, I kind of became, I, I mean, when I, we were friends, I, I would usually retaliate and answer him back whenever he was disrespectful for me because we did have um, a very fiery friendship. But that when I became a bit more spiritual, I was more Zen and just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that must have annoyed him more. But the spirituality really started when just through out of ex- um, extreme stress, I was looking for content online about, about stress relief. And I came across 
something called abdominal breathing. And I found this app called Belly, what's it called? Belly Bio. It's only available on iPhone, I think. Um, and what you do is you put the, your phone on your belly and you do, you do this abdominal breathing where you're breathing in through your nose and you're really making your, filling your belly with air, not your, not your lungs, but your belly. And then you kind of like, when it's full, maybe hold it for a little bit and then empty. So you're really focusing on that rise and fall of the belly. And on this app, then at the end of a breathing session, it tells you how many breaths per minute and what your level of stress was. And to my absolute surprise, I was just realizing that I could actually, I found that for me that stress was actually a choice. You know, you can actually have a lot of things going on in your life, but what's really, um, you know, the key thing is, is how you react to it. I remember one time he actually came in the apartment and I was in my room doing this belly breathing exercise. And after I'd finished the exercise, I checked what my stress level was. And I got to my most relaxed state ever in what would normally be an incredibly stressful um, situation because he was in the apartment and, and slamming doors and stuff like that. So it made me think a lot about, about how we handle stress. And then I started looking at different things about breathing online and that got me into meditation slowly. And then I became familiar with Sadhguru, who is one of my gurus really. I mean, I'm not really into everything that anyone says, but I watched a lot of his videos. And if you're not familiar with Sadhguru, it's S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U. Not, not, it's not like sad as in triste, it's like... It's a, anyway, he's full of wisdom. He has so many videos that are inspiring and uplifting. And I found a lot of peace in some of his content, especially because it's kind of spiritual, but he always laughs. Um, so yeah, I found, uh, I found it very, very helpful. So I started to kind of just devour spiritual content and, and this shift in my perception really changed how I saw my work. Cause I mean, back in the day, I used to think about, you know, what ideas do I have? How can I turn this into content and make money from it? Whereas suddenly when I became spiritual, it was more about what can I share? What can I give to the world today that, that, that can be of service? Because I always felt like a shy content creator, which is probably the opposite of what you would normally expect. I was never fully at ease with making videos or yeah, I think making videos was, was something that was kind of like making me a bit stressed or just felt not entirely natural to me sometimes, even though I really wanted to do it. But suddenly when I felt like I was a messenger, that I was just, you know, this message was coming through me and it wasn't about me, I just found it all so, so liberating. So I do have, I do feel like, like I have a lot to say, um, but I didn't really want to be a kind of person. I don't, it doesn't feel natural to be a kind of like, Hey, look at me, look at me type of influence. <laughs> it's not, it's not really about me. And I am a very, very, very private person. I mean, I mean, my private life does not even exist online, even though some people, some people might think I've shared a lot of private things here, but, um, what I share is more about the sensations and it's not about specific people or times or things like that. It's, it's very, um, it's all about what I felt. Um, things like that. So yeah, I found, I found this massive shift in perception and I felt, I feel like I've not, I've not been the same person since. I think that everything I, I do now is, is, has a different angle. Even for example, today I was thinking about being in the gym and, um, how my, my, uh, when I go to classes, 
I don't feel like it's about, well, obviously getting fitter is um, a good thing to do and um, maybe feel a more, more attractive in my body, but that's, it's not really about that. It, for me, it's about, I want to prove that, you know, um, I don't need to eat meat to be strong. I can, um, you know, I want to be a natural anti-aging guru. I want to show that you can eat plants and be strong and all that. So it's, there's something more about, um, it's not really about me. It's like me almost, I went through a sort of, I don't think you can go through a complete ego, de- ego death, but a sort of ego death, death where it will, it, uh, it's just like the me kind of like stepped aside in this, I just become a messenger, really. Yeah, so that's about my spiritual um, awakening. And that was around 2017. And fortunately, I did. Um, I was able to move apartments. And when I left, it was one of those situations where I didn't tell him the day I was leaving because it was so, so tense. And I finally got into another apartment, which was tiny, but at least I I was the only person with the key. And uh, no one was coming into the apartment to shout at me, etc. And then... Um, I just um, evolved continually in my spiritual journey, just from watching videos, reading books. And that's what I did mainly. And I was also in this group in Barcelona called the Zen of Hollywood. It was so great. I have very, very fond memories of it. It was a group that, um, that basically met every Wednesday and we used to choose a Hollywood film and the guy who ran the group used to have a theme. So it could be here and now, faith, blah, blah, blah. And he would choose a film and then kind of uh, take some scenes from that film and we would analyze the Zen message in those, um, in those um, scenes. And um, even though it was a new topic for me, uh, in, in quotes, it felt so familiar. I felt like I've always been living my life this way. It felt like something like that. It was almost like a homecoming rather than, an, yeah, I guess it wasn't a kind of an awakening, I suppose. And I've just gone down this path more and more over the years. And last weekend, I went to this fair in Barcelona called Magic. Magic 22 for that 2022. And there was lots of um, clairvoyance, uh, mediums and crystal sellers and all of this stuff, which um, you would think I would be really into. But I just felt like I was in this environment of, of charlatans. It felt very fake. And I don't think you need to spend lots of money on experts um, to actually advance in your spiritual path. I think there's nothing wrong with um, getting money from from helping others. I don't, I don't think that's the problem, but, I, but there are a lot of people who are preying on, on um, vulnerable people because, I mean, a lot of people are searching for the answers um, from external sources when they are really within. I think it's fantastic to have guidance through meditation, through books, through videos. And there are many, many resources online. But yeah, so that is my spiritual awakening. So let's speak to a real expert about empathy and spirituality. Now it's time for this episode's interview. I'm going to be speaking to Jane Novak, empath and spiritual mentor and founder of the New Soul Academy. Jane Novak, welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. I'm very happy to have you here and to be speaking about empathy, etc. And you are an energy insensitivity expert and a light worker. What does that mean? What does it entail? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to be here. Um, you know, the term light worker, when I came first across this term, the first thing that came to me is you light yourself up 
and you pass that light to others. It's sort of like passing down the torch, you know? So I believe as empath and sensitive people, we have a beautiful mission here that we come into this earth feeling highly sensitive for a reason. Um, and the reason being here is that we have this uh, vision of the invisible wrongs that we feel things and understand things that a majority of society doesn't because they operate on five sensory experience. So, uh, you know, that's why it can be challenging for empaths to find them themselves because they feel like there's something wrong with them, just like I felt at the beginning of my journey. So I help sensitive people to claim and reclaim their power back so they can see that it's a gift and that occurs. I love that term, invisible wrongs. That sounds like it sums up so many things that I've felt in my life. And so how does someone know, how can they know that they are an empath? What are the signs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first thing that you feel that um, you are very highly sensitive to the environment around you, like you know, loud noises, uh, strong smells, like start, it starts small, it's just like, feeling a little bit off. And when you go to crowded places, you can feel drained quickly because your energy is always open and you start observing other people's energies and intentions. Um, so you sort of feel like you don't fit in into this world. And one of the main things is that you sense and know when something is off or when something good is coming. So that's, that's the sense that cannot be explained logically uh, is what empath have. And uh, sometimes, you know, when they don't know it, they just don't understand what's happening to them, why they are so sensitive to the world around them. But mostly the clients that I work with, they, they just feel drained. They just feel drained around people when they don't know how to protect themselves. Um, they feel tired, exhausted for no reason, even if, you know, they didn't do much that day. So would you say and being an empath is like having a higher sense of intuition would you say the two are linked yeah i would say that i mean once you become an empowered empath i think you connect to your intuition more but first when you're just unaware you just don't understand what's happening you cannot put uh, words to the feeling that you're experiencing but there's this desire to fit in to be like everybody else to be louder to be you know accepted in the society and it really drains you even more uh, but when you become empowered, yes, you connect to your intuition more and more. So I've seen that you you ex you talked about your own experience growing up and feeling like an outsider. Um, I felt very very similar to that. I felt like a misfit my whole life. So I, I assume this is something that's very linked to being an empath. So how can an empath create a sense of belonging, or is then is it just within? I, I mean, I think we all sense we all crave that somehow and connection with people, and sometimes we choose the wrong friendships, the wrong relationships, because we really crave that sense of belonging. So how can an empath overcome that? That's such a good question. Well, the first and foremost is just to tell yourself, there's nothing wrong with me. It's them. Just, <laughs> it's right? not me, it's them. It's just, you know, I'm this way, I'm wired, wired this way. You know, mm. I have my own special needs. Um, I need to recharge and so on. But, uh, you know, it's, it all comes to worthiness, to realize that you're worthy. You don't have to be like everybody else. You don't have to feel like you have to go, go, go all the time. 
Um, you know, like one of my clients said, I just want to sometimes stop and smell the flower and admire the flower. And my friends would look at me and say, you're just crazy. You know, just allow yourself to be who you are and unfold that beauty. But it all comes to realizing that you're worthy, even if you don't fit in. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't because that just, you know, you're losing your gift this way. And also empaths have a great gift of giving advice. They're the ones that people call when they're in trouble. And I've been that person all my life. I've been able to give a very kind of rational perspective on things for many people. But then when I'm having a crisis, I find that I don't have the same support and I feel very disappointed with people, whereas I shouldn't judge them on my own standards. Do you think that's normal as an empath? Absolutely. Um, and that happened in my experience doing with so many clients that I work with. We're sort of um we're there to help them like i'm there for you i'm here for you what do you need help with right like we are very devoted friends and um and we stay that way but when we realize that these people who are just there to get a piece of you so to speak <laughs> or sometimes they don't even take your advice you know mm. it's just the sense of the energy that they feel good around you but you keep giving advice, you keep helping, and you keep feeling drained because there is no healthy energy exchange. And there's when the boundaries come along that you realize, okay, that person is not serving me. You know, it's just a one-way street of me giving my energy and not the other way. So why do you think that talking about the, the dark side of being um, an empath, why do you think empaths tend to attract like narcissists or toxic relationships or friends who are just into one or who only call you when they need you, for example. Why is that? Um, I believe because reason number one, most empaths face um, unresolved, um, unresolved trauma since they were little. And one of the main things is that they always have this desire to be understood. And, you know, it's, it's like, here, see me, this is how I am. But majority of people will not, who, who do not, you know, majority of people have these filters that empath don't, and they operate in the world differently. Uh, so, and, and when they feel misunderstood, they start shutting down, they start closing off, and they start developing sort of this, um, you know, uh, not being able to process their emotions in a healthy way, and they stop feeling worthy. And the moment they stop feeling worthy, they, uh, what I call, jump on an energy stream, energy frequency that is a dark energy frequency. And from that moment, they just start attracting, you know, people in, in, in the same way. But I always say there's a be beautiful opportunity to heal because the other person can show you what's happening within you because everything is a mirror. Everyone can be a mirror. So how do we set up boundaries then or... How can we protect ourselves from these energies from, let's say, because we can't always avoid people. It depends if it's a work colleague or someone in your family. Sometimes we have to kind of spend time with people that, that sap our energy. So how could we protect ourselves from that? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is self-care. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to look... Uh, you know, at your daily schedule, what, what, what does your daily schedule look like? Is it only serving others and putting yourself in a bad burner? That's probably how you deplete yourself and keep attracting these people who are not serving you. So when you put 
claim your power back and you give yourself time in a day, let's say I, I recommend my morning energy prep where you meditate, set your intentions, when you give yourself time and throughout the day, just do the things that you want to do and not necessarily understood by other people. So this way, little with these little baby steps, you actually start uh, breaking through these negative energy streams and moving into the streams where you feel worthy, loved, and, and I say, you grow a pair of wings, you know. Um, and when we cannot, um, you know, avoid, that's definitely, um, I have clients who work in environment, and when we do the work, when they do the work of setting boundaries, taking care of themselves, uh, loving themselves, what happens is that um, universe starts bringing the conversation to them, even in the same workplace, with people who are actually a match of their worthiness, match of their self-love um, essence, so to speak, you know. Uh, and, you know, boundaries would be the big thing, but first, as I always teach my clients, you have to set energetic boundaries first, you know. And one thing to do it when you wake up in the morning and you decide who you want to meet, what kind of conversations you want to have. So one of the simple mantras could be, I intend to have conversations with people that are serving me well. And then you kind of start tuning in yourself to that frequency of meeting people who are in the same frequency as you are, you know? And what's going to happen, even if you're in an office in a work environment and there's like, and an energy, energy vampire, let's say. So what's going to happen is that that person is not going to talk to you that day. They'll find someone else. So that's the beauty. You know, we cannot control it. We can only raise our frequency, raise our vibrations. Um, a lot of people, uh, specifically, you know, empath coaches sometimes teach about energy shields. I personally don't believe in energy shields. Because what's an energy huge. shield? What do the energy shield is when, you know, I had clients who come to me and I asked them, what did you try before? And they said, you know, I was suggested to try energy shield when I imagine a bubble of protection around me um, and sort of like protect my energy. But when you do that, one thing we don't realize, we already feel negativity. We trap that negativity in that bubble and carry it with us. So instead of using these, um, you know, external energy protection tools, which can be useful for some time, but they usually wear off quickly. I recommend raising your frequency and raising your vibrations and loving yourself and bringing self-love practice to every day. It's not something, especially these days that we live in, especially what happened the last couple of years, you know, in this world, it just turned upside down. I don't think MF have, um, it's not a luxury anymore. That's a necessity, you know, to give yourself that time, that love, that space that you need to start raising your vibrations and your frequency. Do you recommend working with crystals to protect You energy? know, when I started my journey um, learning about all of that, I used to carry crystals. I used to have crystals. And here's what I usually I don't use anymore because I don't feel the need for external protection. However, I know that maybe if you set intention for that crystal, if you hold it in your hand, don't set intention, it's going to protect me because it kind of creates more resistance. You know, it creates intention that something's going to happen that's going to protect you. But instead, maybe, uh, you know, establish this connection with that crystal, 
hold it in your hand, say how much you love it, say how much you feel good with it, you know. So if you look at it this way, I would say go ahead and use it, but without raising the frequency. Um, chances are that it will be swayed with negativity no matter what you're carrying with you. So what, how can we raise our frequency? First thing is meditation in the morning, you know, mm. raising and quieting our mind, our chatter. That is very limiting. And especially for empath, there is certain programming that is installed, um, you know, and it feels like I'm not good enough. If I don't do X, Y, and Z, I'm not good enough. I don't fit into this world. So when you start meditating, all these thoughts sort of, uh, you know, quiet down for a little bit. And in that space, that wisdom comes in, you know, that worthiness and self-love that's really connect to it. And step number two, set your intentions in the mornings, like that, in the morning, like I mentioned. And you can do it throughout the day or before you go to bed, but in the morning, we have this clear space, energetic space to create and sort of like imagine if you have a canvas, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I wake up in the morning, I don't even leave the bed, I do my morning practice. So imagine if you have this beautiful canvas, but it's empty and it's up to you what you're going to put in there to project into your day. So this is what the morning practice does. It raises your frequency. Fantastic. And one thing I find, uh, which might sound bad, but um, the, more, the more I progress on my spiritual journey, the less patience I have, let's say, for low vibrational people or activities, is that normal? And it makes me feel like it's unspiritual to feel like that. Do you know what I mean? For example, yeah, yeah just um, for example, you, I, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned on your Instagram, I've seen some posts about alcohol and how that can be damaging for our frequency or energy or empathic skills. And it's something I gave up six years ago and now I have no tolerance for drunk tourists or <laughs> you know just uh, there's a lot of those here in Barcelona and I, I was the same years ago you know I've done it been there done that but um so how, how can we kind of address these situations where you're with people who are just not on your frequency without feeling like a snob or because that's something that I feel like I feel like I'll cut myself I think wow I've been very judgmental here or you know so you know, that's very typical, first of all, for mm -hmm. empath, take too much responsibility. Um, you know, just like you said, am I feeling too judgmental here? Am I, um, it's always bringing that awareness when that happens, you know, and we definitely, I noticed with myself, I don't have tolerance for negativity. I don't have tolerance for uh, certain things that I used to tolerate before. And that's completely normal um, as you start growing in this journey. And one thing I noticed with alcohol, it definitely lowers your vibrations. It, um, I'm actually writing this in, in, in my book currently. It puts you on a frequency of, of a negative energy stream right away. And it, 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 you give a chunk of your energy away. So it's sort of like you're taking credit, small credit maybe for a small, for getting your problems for a moment, but then the next day you always feel it. And you pay with your energy, really. And uh, I notice when I go to places, and let's be honest, all vacation places, every resort you go to is just established on bars, loud music, drinking, alcohol. It's such a powerful energy stream that has been created for many, many years, you know, and it's very powerful. But one thing I notice, and, you know, it's very powerful when you imagine as you're watching a movie, if you're on a movie set 
and you're just witnessing uh, what's happening around you. And at first it feels like everybody was assigned these silly roles to play, you know, and everybody's sort of having the same behavior. And, and sometimes either they get loud, either they get this. And you look at that from a place of probably not judgmental place, but from a place of just like, huh, it's interesting, you know? I get to create my movie. I don't have to be a part of, of this, whatever is happening in there anymore. So when you separate yourself this way, you separate your energy and you don't judge anymore, but you kind of, you might chuckle or you might just feel like, huh, that's interesting. But first it can be shocking mm -hmm. <laughs> because you break the matrix. And uh, at first you kind of feel like, okay, this is so crazy. I, can't, I just cannot believe people you know, feeling this way, behaving this way, doing these things. It, it was shocking first for me, but over the time, you're just like, oh, it's just, it's just a movie set and I'm just walking there. I'm not playing any roles here. I'm just, I'm creating my own movie. It does so feel like another invisible wrong, like you said earlier, like that mm -hmm. the fact that everyone or alcohol is everywhere and it's perceived as so normal and then if you have an, if a conversation about them, people will say, well, actually, moderate moderation is okay. But it's actually, there's so many reports now that say, that say the opposite for health. And, yeah. and, and also music, I found that um, as I kind of had a spiritual awakening, I can't really tolerate um, commercial music anymore. If you, if you found that, is that, is that normal? I'm listening to like binaural beats yeah. and mantras all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because... Um, I think everything is is getting created for the for the mainstream, you know, main energy stream. Mm. But it can be the same, you know, same type of music or alcohol. And and you're right, people, you know, used to say, "Oh, actually, a glass of wine is really good for you." So <laughs> it's mm. like when you think about it, what's good about pouring alcohol in the body? It's mm. it's just you know when you think about it. There's nothing wrong. If you want to enjoy it, just ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this, right? It's the, what's the reason? Because I, I want to fit in? Because I used to do that when I was a teenager. I used to drink just to fit in, to be hip and cool around my friends, you know, but I never felt good. Around the music, I feel the same way that I, I, I you know, very particular about what I'm listening because uh, I'm feeding my mind constantly, whatever it is. It could be certain lyrics, that can influence you as well. Certain music that can also, uh, you know, bring some sort of piece of programming, download a piece of programming. So I also lean towards what not everybody does. And, and that's when you, I, that's how I know you break the matrix. It's like, you don't do what everybody else does. Yeah, I have a, I've not had a television now for 15 years and um, I have lots of books, but, um, I find that sometimes if I'm in a situation where I'm watching TV, let's say if I'm on a plane or, you know, it's just in my face, I, I'm extra sensitive to the violence. And there's some, some kind of violence in TV shows is perceived as funny or is like comedy. I remember I watched this um, series ages ago. I did watch some series that I'm very specific about the ones I watch, but there was one series I used to love called Weeds. And there was a, there was a scene where the protagonist was in her car and her neighbor, who was like a nose neighbor, like Celia, like put, poked her head through and then she 
put the window up and then she was running, going around in circles. And that's supposed to be a funny scene. And I was thinking, oh my God, I was like an empath feeling that would be awful on someone's neck. Oh my God, why is this on normal TV? Or I guess here in Spain, um, things are quite relaxed about violence on TV, maybe less more so than what they would be in the UK. It's just like, you know, shootings and it's just like, I don't know. And also video games, it's crazy. I mean, it's just like so many people are spending time on just killing these characters and I just think wow that's so crazy that this is another invisible wrong yeah, yeah it, exactly empaths are not doing well with violence and it doesn't have to be happening in front of your eyes because whatever's happening on tv you activate these feelings and emotions and you take it on as, as if it's happening in real life so uh and I'm glad to hear that in Europe they're, you know, specifically in, in Spain, they're more relaxed because in the U.S. they're not, you know, it, it's it's a lot of violence. Oh, I think there are here, actually. Sorry, maybe I expressed it wrong, but I think it, there is probably more compared to the U.K. I think in the U.K. Okay. there is like a watershed okay. at 9 p.m. Then you can start yeah. swearing, we'll have some nudity. But in the day... Oh. Um, okay. it's a bit more civilized, let's say, but um, here in Spain, you can see like a violent movie in the, in the middle of the afternoon on a Saturday. It was just like, oh my God, it's so yeah. shocking. Yeah, and swearing yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm also, I have been done with TV for a few years. I only watch, you know, if it's like Netflix, a couple of shows that absolutely have to uplift me or there's some a piece of some wisdom that I can take and it's not gonna hurt me. So I'm very, very picky when it comes to that because just like we eat our food, we feed our mind. And especially empath, they don't have filters and boundaries. Whatever's happening on TV, they're there, right there. And I'll tell you more, just like with alcohol, when you evoke this, let's say it's someone watching news, mm -hmm. uh, I hope most empath don't at this <laughs> point. And, and if you do, stop doing that. Uh, if you watch the news, let's say something got triggered within you, uh, you just gave your energy away. That's how you feel drained, you know, and that energy stream just gets bigger because it's so powerful. So I would suggest to everyone who's listening, be very mindful of what you're consuming on uh, a daily basis. But also you could maybe feel some huge em empathy for the victims of something. So for example, I just keep yeah. on top, top of things just by seeing trending topics on Twitter. So I'm not getting too deep into any news, but I know what's going on. Mm -hmm. I can just feel like, oh my God, that's awful. You know, just that kind of empathy yeah. rather than feeling drained. Yeah. Well, well, like I mentioned, you just mm. take it on. It, mm. it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean if it's happening, if it's a fiction, if it's happening in a movie, um, as an empath, you just take it on. You feel the pain of other people. You feel the emotions of, of those characters in your own body. So how, do you have a spiritual awakening then? And that, did it change your life and open your mind to yeah. all of these things? And how was that? Um, yeah, I, I think spiritual awakening, I don't define it as one day or one oh, yeah. moment. It's a process. Like a, oh, absolutely. I grow and evolve every day. And the thing about empath, they always want to grow and evolve. It's like they're always that, that life worker part of them. They will always want to improve and reach higher, you know, frequency. Um, I... Yeah, I think my spiritual awakening started when I felt this way since I was little, you know, going through certain challenges when I was a teenager, completely lost, you know, I used to smoke and drink to numb myself to fit in. Um, you know, later in, in my 20s, when I had uh, kids that also I was unaware, so it brought another level of challenges 
in my life as a parent. And I honestly wish I had all of this knowledge, but on the other hand, I'm looking back, it's my children made me stronger as well. With me, uh, you know, grow and evolve. But the, when I first heard the term empath, I was like, Ooh, this is me. I wasn't even Googling the term at that time. It's like, this just feels right. You know, it's, it's, it's good to be, to understand yourself maybe for the first time, but there's nothing wrong with me. So, you know, since then I, I heard the voice, a very quiet voice, but it was very consistent. You gotta go help other empaths. And that's how I started this journey. Tell us about the New Soul Academy. When did you start yes. this? Uh, I started this a few years ago. The name came to me even before I started doing this work. And I just felt, uh, you know, I was, I was buying a domain at that point to create my website. Uh, and I created a website actually a year or two after that. Um, you know, but, but I felt like this is the new beginning for, for those who are going through their challenges. So the Soul Academy was born. And since then I was able to help so many empaths. Um, you know, I also, I also was doing life events. Uh, I've done one actually in UK and a few here in the US and it was a beautiful experience to connect actually to these beautiful souls. Um, and to this day, I just love what I do. So what do you actually do on your website? What you're do, you're doing coaching and you have some courses. Yes, I do have some courses right now. I'm focusing on my mastermind uh, for MBAT specifically and sensitive people who struggle with anxiety and negativity and want to find their voice. Um, and uh, yes, that it's you know I'm sharing content. I'm sharing. Uh, I have a very supportive community on Facebook, um, sensitive and empowered. Um, this is a free free uh, group support for like-minded individuals, specifically, you know, sensitive people and empaths. Yeah, I think um, social media can, um, is, it, it can be such a positive thing and such a negative thing, like for example, mm -hmm. to obviously spread your message. I mean, um, but for some people, like young people growing up, it can be so negative and um, people wanting to fit in and doing things that they might not be proud of in five years time. But I mean, my, my advice to anyone would be like, follow inspirational content and then you can just wake up every day open instagram and you're like wow inspired what do you think about social media and uh, energy i 100 percent agree with you because um that can really drain you especially mindless scrolling when you're not in your highest vibrations and when you fall into that social media stream and, and which is another energy stream um and you start sort of uh, comparing yourself or you start seeing that you're not doing enough. And, you know, I used to do modeling, by the way, um, a few years ago, and I was struggling with uh, body image issues. And I remember I would be looking at these perfectly Photoshopped, by the way, uh, images comparing myself. And I just had my third baby and it was very painful. And I could see that while I could get some goals, quote unquote, you know, which I, I don't believe anymore, that we should get some goals uh, in these kind of circumstances. Um, that made me feel uh, very, you know, feel bad and not enough about myself. I would say even now as I'm running my social media for, you know, to, to have my page and uh, make posts to support sensitive people, 
uh, but also to do, you know, to do my business, it, it's, it's about boundaries. And sometimes I just delete the app. Oh, wow. Um, yes, not mm-hmm. the account, but the app. It can be very powerful because then you notice you just grab your phone a few times and it's this sort of we develop this habit is out of our control. And then you remember, wait a minute, no, I don't have the app on the phone. So that helps to slow down and go back into the world, look at the trees, go walk around, you know, near the ocean or whatever it may be, just connect with nature. Uh, but disconnecting is so powerful from social media because you can get sucked in pretty quickly. And I think it's designed to be addictive and Yes. to make us compare ourselves with other people. And there's so many people who have this, um, this it's kind of like there's a style on Instagram where people have this perfect picture. Then they have this long text, my life wasn't always perfect. And blah. And he's thinking, ah, it just seems so inauthentic, a lot of um Right. Well, sure. did you know that actually <laughs> empath, and you probably felt it by looking at the picture, they can sense through the text and through the picture their energy. It's, mm-hmm. you, you don't need to even see the person or hear the person, which you can get more data points, you know, data points from, from, from conversation. Um, I feel that when you look at something like that and you know that someone is being inauthentic and empath can tune in pretty well into something like that. Um, so yeah, that, that's how you probably know. Definitely. Um, so how can we, um, if you got any tips for self-love and acceptance? Because people, um, I was actually in a yoga retreat this this uh, summer and this girl was asking me, what is self-love? Yeah, I love myself, but what does it mean? So I think some people might not know, how can you love yourself? Right, right. And I hear you, it can be a very broad term. Yeah. Um, and everybody's talking about self-love, yeah. but no one's really given anything specific. Um, I think specifically, if we're talking about for empath and sensitive people, I would say number one, give yourself enough time to recharge um, between the tasks. Uh, when you had just went, let's say even food shopping, you know, in a large grocery store, um, picked up all of these energy. Give yourself time to just be by yourself, and then you might have thousand things on your list or if you're a parent you you need to prioritize your children but nothing will change until you actually call at least one hour a day to yourself so the first thing would be to give yourself time to recharge and uh setting boundaries is self-love as well you know it's it's like i always say boundaries it's like when baby uh, starts to walk it falls a few times it's not going to happen right away but Babies don't give up, they just get up and one day they walk. So it's going to happen. It's just going to need like incremental steps to be comfortable with boundaries. And also morning practice, when you allow yourself to just be and, you know, meditate and set your intentions and, you know, take yourself for an ice cream, take yourself for dinner. Uh, you don't have to, you can just say, hey, I just feel like I just need this for myself. Go for a walk on the beach, grab ice cream. If you want to grab a friend, that's, that's great. Or maybe just by yourself. Learn to be by yourself so you can get to know your energy. That, that would be a very powerful step into, in, in the process of empowerment. Do you think it's typical for an empath to spend a lot of time alone? I spend a lot of time alone and I think... Uh... Sometimes I wonder if it's a good thing or not because 
the alternative is is kind of going kind of hanging around with people I don't really connect with. Is that normal? Would you say? Yeah, I, I would say everything that feels good to you is a good mm. thing, and mm. that's the thing that and half of them feel bad again because not majority of population doesn't do it. They expect you to do what needs to be done because their needs need to be pleased, you know? So an empath, if they don't take care of themselves, they end up doing everything for everybody and feeling drained. That's that's great that you spend time by yourself and you enjoy it. So you have to find what you enjoy the most and go with that. Definitely. I think a lot of people struggle with um, being comfortable spending time alone. I think it's I think it's such a great thing because once you're okay with yourself, then you can kind of invite others into your life. Definitely. So a couple of quick quick questions. Um, what is the book that changed your life? Oh goodness, yes, there is one book. The only little I, be, I believe it's called the only little prayer you need. Oh. Um, it's it's based on the Course in Miracles. I forgot the author, but I believe it's called The Only Little Prayer You Need. And if you if you Google it, it will come up. It's a small book, but it's mighty powerful in in how we surrender, how we can when we feel stuck, how we can surrender. And actually, that's what I did at the beginning of my journey, and all of these amazing things started flowing into my life. So that that book that was one of the books that. Um, uh, a Course in Miracles, obviously, was a big one in, in my journey as well. Um, and recently, I would say, I'm, I'm giving more than one book, probably. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. uh, good, <laughs> good. We love reading. I love reading. So Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, any book by, uh, especially the book that is called, um, I forgot the name of that uh, a book by Neville Goddard. I don't know if you heard about him. It's it's. I, I just discovered his work relatively recently. Uh, you know, and uh, any book, any book by him, it's it's just life changing. It's beautiful. What was the name again? Uh, Neville Goddard. Oh, I think I've heard. Uh, might have heard the name. I've not heard it, read any books, but the. As I'm always looking at Amazon, and they, well, once you start buying books of a certain genre, yeah. then they get lots of new books start getting uh, right. suggested. And he has the book that is like a collection of ten of his books. Uh -huh. um, it just flew out of my mind. It's so mm. funny, and I'm sure we will finish this call. I'll remember <laughs> because I read about ten of his books and all of them. I have a course in miracles and I started reading it, but it just seemed maybe it's not the right time for me. It just seemed very, very dense book or there's a lot of information in it. But the story about how it came to exist is just fascinating, really, about the the woman who was, I think she was an atheist and it was a scribe. It was all spoken to her in her dreams and stuff. It was. Yes. Yeah, she was a doctor. Yes. Mm. And then that came to her. Uh, the channeling process sort of began, and I hear you. That's not that's not an easy book to read. Uh, that's why they have like these lessons that you do every day. Mm -hmm. um, I have to be honest; I didn't go through the whole book, but uh, at the beginning of my journey, that was very uh, helpful to at least surrender step by step a little bit as much as I could get it. Um, but I, I would say go with the flow. And with your mm -hmm. intuition, if you don't feel guided, you're right. It's just maybe something else will come, or later, at a later time, it will be a better time for us. Yeah, because I think sometimes when your intuition tells, well, 
some people, we, sometimes we think we have to read this because it's the cool book to read or we're going to get all this knowledge. Right. But I think it's yeah. always good to kind of listen to yourself and think, no, it's, if it's going to be, like, look like a, you know, exactly. a burden <laughs> or a challenge. You know, I give so much, so, so much recommend, recommendation here or suggestions, but I would say um, to those who are listening, just if something feels right, what I said, take it in. If it didn't, you know, it's it's not for you right now. And that's okay too. We mm. just have to be okay because it's such a unique individual journey, you know, mm. healing journey, the spiritual journey. And just because someone recommends it, it doesn't mean it has to resonate with you. Great. And do you have a particular phrase or affirmation that you live by? I am worthy. Oh, great. That's the best one, probably. <laughs> That's the basis yes. of everything. <laughs> That's very simple, but, uh, you know, our mind always looks for complicated things. Forgetting that, we, we just need to remember this simple truth. Fantastic. So where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on my Instagram, Jane Lightworker. Jane underscore Lightworker. Um, uh, NewSoulAcademy.com. And we have a supportive group on Facebook, Sensitive and Empowered. I have all information in, uh, on, in my Instagram, in the you know, links in bio. I saw on your website you had a course about healing. Was it actually teaching people how to heal? Yes. Uh, how to heal is an empath. Okay. How to claim your power back, specifically for sensitive people. Um, because, you know, I have a few clients are coming to me and saying that they took a bunch of courses before, but it always felt like that part was missing. So I'm glad that I could create that safe space for them. Is it for self-healing or to heal others? Uh, so first we start with the self-healing. Mm -hmm. um, and I also have a course and I work with people who are ready to start either their service-based business to help others just to let you know bring their life work or give them to the world or uh, they just feel guided to coach other people and that's sort of like a next step from it fantastic well thank you so much for joining us today on the orgasmic lifestyle podcast and it's been great to talk about empaths and uh thank god the drilling stopped <laughs> so. uh, well thank you for having me thank you i appreciate that it was a lot of fun the book I'm reading now is Sexual Energy and Yoga by Elizabeth H. I've had this book on my bookshelf for a couple of years now, and I first read it, I think, in 2020. And I was reading it, actually, when I was getting over my facial paralysis. So I was in a bit of a, like, how would I say, delicate emotional state. But this book is has been probably one of the best books I've ever read on sacred sexuality. And I remember it very, very fondly. If I, if you, someone asked me to make a resume of it, like now, it's quite difficult actually, because it's so dense, even though it's not a big book at all. But the other day, I just picked it up out of my, from my bookshelf, because I wanted to read an extract from it, because I'm now doing these extract voiceovers from my favorite books on TikTok. And it really helps me with my, with my own voiceover work, because I've just registered in several agencies as a voiceover artist and now I've got some some of my first jobs and just reading through something and recording myself has actually been one of the best training tools I've ever done actually. 
So when I picked this book up the other day, I was trying to look through it and find what the perfect paragraph would be. And I just saw so many, it was difficult to choose. And this book was written in 1982, and it's probably one of the most beautiful representations or depictions of what sexual energy is and what sexuality is. Just let me read you a little bit from the the blurb. The purpose of this book is to introduce the concept of transmuting the physical, emotional, mental, and psychic energies people normally disperse in sexual activity. This process assists in uniting with the higher self or God. Topics include creative serpent, the magic flower, hypnosis, mediumship, the magic powers of suggestion, the urge for unity and its corruptions, sexual energy and its false and true light, the sun creator and destroyer of life. Just reading that there, the sexual energy in its false and true light. I've I've come to believe through my own experiences and, and journey and, and growth and knowledge and learning that the false the false um light of sexual energy is promiscuity and liberation, what people think is liberation. I, I see it, I don't see it like that. I think when you have a sexual urge, if you give into it through, let's say, watching porn or, you know, masturbating to porn or even going on Tinder or anything like that and just having promiscuous kind of like basic sex. I don't think that's what sexual energy is there for. Honestly, I mean, obviously some part of it is just to procreate humans and for pleasure. But for many years of my life as a sexpert, it's going to be 13 years this year, I was really focused on pleasure and overcoming the taboo and liberation. I was never really concerned about, I never thought promiscuity was the way to achieve that. My my objective has always been to kind of encourage people, especially women, to connect with their own bodies and pleasure. Because I was never, I don't consider myself to have ever been promiscuous, even though some people might think I have, but I have never just gone out and just shagged strangers and things like that. And I and I found that some of my friends who were doing that, they weren't even having orgasms. Not that orgasm is the be all and end all, but they weren't even having pleasure. I mean, they were maybe drunk. Probably if you're drunk, you're probably too sensitive to, to really, really feel what's going on and, and perceive what's going on. But for me, they weren't really, I mean, for me, I was always feeling and, and searching for that pleasure. And, and I don't think you can find pleasure, you know, if you kind of like don't, I don't know, <laughs> this sounds like I'm a real prude here, but I think you have to really be honor yourself before you can allow someone else to do that and not just treat you like, you know, a human um, a flashlight. I think it is one of those um, toys that men use as kind of torches um, that have kind of vaginas in them. I mean, you want to be treated at least as a person and not just that, but also, I don't know, but I want to be treated with someone who, with a soul. Yeah. So anyway, this book is dedicated to, this is an incredible dedication. I dedicate this book to those ambitious people who demand the best of life and of themselves. And of course, I feel included in that in that fantastic dedication. And the author, Elizabeth H., was born in 1897 
in Hungary. And I read one of her, another book by her called Initiation. And that's a, an incredible book about her life and how she remembers a past life in Egypt. And she knew lots of things about spirituality. And she just had this incredible knowledge that you couldn't actually Google because there was no Google back then. And to get hold of the knowledge that she acquired of spirituality and higher dimensions was kind of like, you can't, you couldn't really find all that information at your local library. And also she actually founded the oldest, um, the oldest school of yoga in Europe. Yeah. So it's very, very interesting. So let me just read a little extract for you from a chapter called What is Sexuality? The two poles strive for unity in and through the body, and they seek a way of attaining rest in each other, and at least of imitating the primal state. The two poles are manifested in the body, in the two sexes, by the genital organs, which enable physical unity to be attained sexually for a short time. Since the repose of the two poles in each other is the primal state of God, of being, of life, the reunification of the two poles, the encounter of the two sexes engenders a new tension, a new life, a new creature in a cell suited to the purpose. This in turn bears within itself the divine tension of life, but again manifests only one pole in its body, one sex, through which earthly life is transmitted by the recurrent union of the sexes. This is sexuality. The energy which is manifested through sexuality and which is the link between spirit and matter and thus possesses the important faculty of helping a spirit into the body of impregnating matter with new life is called sexual energy. Wow. Takes a while to get your head around that. I absolutely love it. And another little extract from a chapter about called St. George, which is about slaying the dragon. This is an incredible um, paragraph that I chose to read the other day on my TikTok. As we have already seen, sexual energy, that universal force, is the creative principle, logos. And whether or not we are already aware of it, this energy is man's true being, his own self, his own creator himself in the first person, I am it. For this reason, sexual energy cannot be destroyed, since this would mean that man destroys himself. We can only transform sexual energy, only be it. And if a person has attained complete self-awareness with the help of this energy and has thus become his own master, he has also at the same time become master of sexual energy, the most magical of all magical powers, since he is this energy itself. The fully conscious man calls sexual energy I. Such a man can work miracles and create new worlds around him with the sexual energy he has converted into divine creative power. He has obtained mastery over the whole, whole realm of nature with all her forces and all her creatures. He has become a white magician, a god-man. 
Yeah, so there we have sexual energy and yoga. And I tell you, I will definitely be revisiting this and underlining because I think I've come a long way in my sexual and spiritual journey since I first read this book. And I think I'm going to find a lot more fantastic extracts to underline and learn and live. So there we have Sexual Energy and Yoga by Elizabeth H. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. I am able to empathize. 
things with those I don't agree with. I prioritize my own mental health. Setting boundaries is healthy and necessary. I honor my sensitivity. To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.